It's so good to, so good to see you guys. Uh, my name's Andy. I'm one of the curates here at St. Nick's, like I said. This is my table of goodies, uh, in case I get hungry during the talk. Um, but today, we're going to be digging into Genesis chapter 2 and 3 a little bit, and we're going to sort of pop into it at different parts throughout the talk. So I'm not going to sort of read it in one big chunk now, um, partly because it's, a long, it's a, quite a lot of stuff, but I would really encourage you, if, you're, if you want to wrestle with it, go away from this place. Go and read Genesis 2 and 3 in its fullness um, and figure out what you think it's telling you. Um, but I w- I, today, I'm going to be continuing our series, and we're going to be looking at the topic of limits. So you might be thinking, okay, what, what on earth is a limit? Um, are we talking about speed limits? Are we talking about alcohol limits? Uh, what are we talking about? And I... I don't know what comes, comes to your mind, but I remember I was driving a minibus which had a speed limiter in it. I don't do it very often, but it was the Alpha weekend away, and I was driving the speed, this minibus. And I, I, I was basically, I was putting my foot down, I thought, there's something wrong with this minibus. It gets to like 59 miles per hour, and I'm on this like motorway, and then it stops. And I'm sort of like, it's just not going any faster. And I was like, oh my gosh, why not? What have I done? Is, it, is there a, a seventh gear? Like, what, what have I done? Anyway, they have a speed limiter on this thing to stop you from going too fast. And I was like, oh, that's so rubbish. I wish I had that speed. The acceleration was amazing, but once you got to that, it was limited. Why do we limit things? Why do we have limits? Well, for, for that minibus, obviously, amazing miles per gallon, fuel you know, economy. It makes it economical if you're going at that sort of speed. That's a really great speed to go at. Safety, you've got 17 people sitting behind you. You don't want to be going too fast on the motorway. It's quite a big thing. Anyway, what would it mean for us to set sensible boundaries on our lives to make sure that we don't go over the top? We don't speed and have things go wrong. We're in it for the long haul. Well, I, I'm going to talk a little bit tonight about our limits, and I'm convinced that the, the older I get and the more responsibilities I have, the, the sort of seconds in the day and the minutes in the day and the hours in the day just seem to be shorter and shorter. I've got so much to do, and my time just seems to be getting away with me more and more uh, the more things that I have on my plate. I just feel busy. Who else feels busy at the moment? It's been half term, so teachers, you're probably like, oh, yeah, not yet, but it's coming. Um, who else feels busy? There's quite a few hands. Online, I'm sure you also got your hands up at home. That's weird, but it's fine. Um, you see, I, I feel like we have to order our lives a little bit. When we're, when we're sort of getting this point where we've reached our limits, we want to make sure that we, we're not going over capacity. And over the last few weeks, I've had this topic of limits to to sort of prepare and bring to you guys. And we're drawing from this emotionally healthy discipleship book. I feel like I'm getting covered in a cloud. Um, We're drawing from this emotionally healthy discipleship book, which uh, kind of digs into this topic of limits. So I'd really encourage you to go away and read it. Um, But there's something that I, I know personally is that the thing that I feel most limited in is my time. I just never feel like I've got enough time. In Scripture, in Genesis 2, we're going to jump to it, verse 1 to 3. It says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. 
So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So we see the start of the human journey on, we were literally just made, Adam and Eve just made, and the next day after humanity was made is a day of rest. I love rest. I don't know about you guys, um, but I love it. It's who doesn't? That's weird, right? If you don't love rest, the things that restore you, the things that give you energy. And I love talking about rest. In fact, a year ago, I was on this stage talking about rest. Go check out my sermon, Rest Must Resist Exhaustion. It's on our YouTube channel in our series that we were doing this time last year. Um, and it's, a, it's something that we've been talking about quite a lot over the last few years, is how do we rest well, when the world says to us, keep going, keep doing more, keep taking on more. And, you know, so often I find it really hard to get proper rest, spiritual rest, physical rest, emotional rest, intellectual rest, maybe social rest, space away from people or maybe time with people if that's what restores you. I have always struggled to balance my life. I'm, I, I kind of feel like I'm a sort of spontaneous kind of guy. That's my sort of personality type. I really struggle to like plan things like really far in advance to sort of real details. I love the big picture. And at uni, I, I really was not good at organizing my, uh, my studies. I wasn't good at finding my deadlines and putting them in place and knowing how long it would take me to do that essay. I just kind of went with the flow, should we say. Um, is there any, any uni students that kind of are going with the flow right now, not really on top of your studies? Maybe a few that are ashamed to put their hands up. One, maybe one that's bold, two have boldly put their hands up. Love you guys. Um, well, I'm hoping, hoping you're all on top of it. That's fine. This message isn't for you. You've got it all sorted. Um, but I remember when I was a student, I was trying to figure this out. And a few years ago, I, I used to head up the students here. I've handed it on to Hattie now. Um, but I, and I remember we did this illustration. Um, a few of you students, if, you're, if, you, if you were there, this is what we did. We, we, we did this sort of illustration to help you think about how you spend your time. And um, you may have seen it before with rocks and sand. Has anybody seen that kind of thing? Nod if you've seen this illustration before. A few people. Well, okay, this is the gist of it, right? So let's have a little look. So these amazing things are called crunchies. They're the best chocolate. And um, but in your, <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, but we've got um, these things, to me, represent the sort of big things that are in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's your rest. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your family. It's your quiet time. It's your time with God. It's reading the Bible. And maybe it's actually that, that your work, the important things, your essays, the things that you need to get done. Maybe, maybe it's Maybe it's the things that God has called you to, that you know this is vital. This has to go in my life. And this sort of jug of eggs, although small things, are the small things in your life. They're like, you know, that new series on Netflix. They're, uh, I don't know, going out for a pint just because you can. Or whatever it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's that fear or that worry, that thing that's going on in your mind. And you're just like, oh, this is, this is that little thing. And, and it, or maybe it's tidying the house. I don't know. Anyway, well, you know what? If, if you just fill your life 
with all the things that come at you, the things that are just like hitting you, that, oh, I just need to do that, I need to do that, I need to do this, then what happens is you get a jar, you know, reasonably half full with those things. If you, but then if you try and get in the important things, what happens is they don't really go in and you can't get, get the lid on, you can't fit them in without breaking the things. So what you need to do is you take all your big bits out, all your good bits. You want to make sure that you put in the important things in your life first. Make sure that they're in there, like cemented, like this is so important. I need to have my rest. I need to have my time with my family. I need to do my work. That's got to be in my diary. And then you put those things in first. And then what happens please work, please work, no, I'm kidding, Um, is you put in the little things, and it fits perfectly, so easy, look at that, I wasn't worried at all, but, you know, they, they just work around the things that are important, well, what we see in this scripture is that important thing to God is rest, that's the first thing we do, that's one of the things that, that we are, that, that we, that, that, that Adam and Eve, the first thing that they experienced was God's rest. And so we are limited in what we can do. But find order in the things that are on your plate by putting in the important things first. Go and watch my sermon on rest if you want to, uh, if you want to go deeper on that. What, what does that look like? Maybe it's find a, find a Sabbath, have a day off a week. Um, there's uh, something that Rick Warren says is divert daily. Do something to relax each day. Withdraw weekly. Take a Sabbath. Take a space each week that is your rest day. And then abandon annually. Take a holiday. Get space away from the here and now. So order the things that are in your life and you will see fruit. I'm 100% convinced. So embrace your limits. Um, Now, I love, this, I love this illustration, and let's, let's put those back in, actually. I don't know why I took those out. Put those back in. Um, I love this illustration. And you know what? Over the last few weeks, I, I've been like, I've learned this lesson. I've, I always put in my, the things that I need to get done. And one, one of those things is write an amazing talk on limits. But also the things that have been going on in the last few weeks have been my wife's birthday, so I've got to take a day off of that. Massively important, went to the zoo, had a great time. Um, other things that are important is taking a rest day, a Sabbath. Just because I've booked a day holiday doesn't mean I then work on one of my days off. What, what's the point of that? That's stupid. So I've got to take Sabbath. And then, you know what? I, I'm, do, I'm sort of praying about this church planting thing at the moment, and there's a big project. I've got to make sure I do that. Um, and so I was, there's lots of other things that go on in my week. I don't just work on Sundays. Um, and I was like, okay, I've got them all ordered. I've got my life, my jar life, all sorted. But then, you know what? What happens if you've just got this, like, absolutely there, and you've got it all sorted, but then all of a sudden, there's, like, more stuff that just seems to just keep on coming. And it just goes everywhere. The things that you'd sort of thought, I've got everything on top. But then all of a sudden, my structure, the things that I've sorted out, the big things in my life, there's just so many little things. How am I going to cope with the small things, these things that just 
are all adding up this pressure, this building up on me. How do I cope with it? Well, I want to dig into Genesis uh, 2, verse 15 to 17, and then we're going to jump to 3, verse 1 to 7. This is verse 15 in chapter 2. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then moving to the beginning of chapter 3. Now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree, uh, from any, sorry, lost my face. Uh, you must not eat from any tree in the garden. Did God say, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves." I draw our attention to this passage because of the limits that we see here. This sort of pivotal message in Scripture, you might have heard of it before, it's known as the fall, the moment where this decision was made that, uh, that creation fell away from its sort of true design, the thing that God intended for us to live like. And I, I, I want to put our ourselves in the position of Adam and Eve. So far, before this moment, they had lived only knowing God's goodness, only knowing God's godliness, his sort of the creator of the universe. And they'd only known themselves as the created ones, the ones who were not God. They, all they knew was God's perfect will. And had obeyed it. And they lived within God's limits, and within the order, and it was good. They were created ones, creatures, as it were. Not little creatures, but they were created. And he is the creator, and all things were in their place. But yet, in verse 16 and 17, it says the limits of what it means to live within God's createdness. It says you're free to choose. You're free to eat from the trees and do whatever. But there are things that if you choose them and eat from them, you will die. It's consequential. They will lead to your destruction. So, so what is so wrong about eating from this tree? Uh, chapter 3, verse 5, it says this. For God knows, sorry, what did I say? Is that where I've gone? That's not where I'm going. Three verse five. Yeah, that is where I'm going. Um, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, 
knowing good and evil. In taking the fruit, there's something about understanding that there could be evil in the world. They'd only ever known good. They'd only ever lived in God's direction. Yet in taking it, they would be like God's. They would be like God. They would elevate themselves above the status that they were created into. The deception and the questioning of the snake uh, leads to Adam and Eve choosing the, the wrong choice. But why, why did she do it? Well, in, in verse 6, it says, When the sermon saw that the fruit of the Sorry, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. They thought it would be good for them. They thought it would help them gain wisdom. They didn't see it as like an act of rebellion against God. They weren't like, yeah, well, we've lived so, we've lived so well under God. Everything's been great, but you know what? I'm going to choose rebellion. They, they thought, oh, this will help us. This, this will make us wiser. This will make us like God. And, but what it does is it, it stops them. It makes them try to be something that they aren't. It disconnects them from who they were called to be, the created people that they were supposed to be. And you know what? That they, what they thought it would be better, and it wouldn't be. And isn't that so often what the world says. You could, you could have more. You could add more to your life. If we have more, things will be better. It'll be great to take on more. You can do more. You can be more. Hustle. Work hard. Buy more. Consume this. Consume more. Things will be better in your life if you do. But you know what? We need to live a more simple life to embrace our limitedness that we are created creatures. We are not God. We cannot do everything. So what are our limits? What are the things that we need to realize we cannot always do? I mean, obviously, um, I've talked about time. We don't have infinite time. We can't do everything physically, as in we've only got a certain amount of time. Um, we, perhaps we're limited in our capability we can't physically, and we, we don't have the power to do everything. We're also limited in our personality. There's ways that we have been made. I am not a very good planner at things like this, sorting my life. That is not my personality. So that is a limit of mine. I need to know that so I can grow in those things. We're limited in our relationship status. If we're single or if we're married, there's things we can do, there's things we can't do in both of those circumstances. We're limited by our emotional, physical, and intellectual limits. Our family of origin, our background, perhaps even our season that we're in, it limits us on what we can do. And I'm not talking about limits that are sort of put on us from the outside. I'm not talking about injustice, so don't, don't, don't hear that in what I'm saying. Uh, that's, not this, that's not what I'm talking about in this issue. We're talking about our personal limits in who we are. You know, it's funny that, that they thought that there'd be wisdom in taking the fruit and becoming like God. But actually, the wisdom is in knowing your own limits. It's in understanding what you can and can't do and, and seeing uh, where actually you have to say no, to drop the things that don't matter, to sort of 
say, actually, I've got the things that matter in my life. The little things don't. And you know what? This is not easy. This is called boundaries. This is about doing, putting the right things in and saying no to the things that don't matter. It's not easy at all. So sometimes we have to say no. Now, I thought that I'd been really good at that. And I kind of felt like, actually, I've planned the things that I need to plan. There's stuff coming up. But sometimes, what happens if the things that come are actually really important and really, really, really vital to your life? What about if actually a close friend suddenly becomes ill? What happens if someone, someone you know dies and there's a, there's a fallout from that? What happens if actually there's things that you hadn't even seen and actually the, thing, the, the bits that you'd put in in your family life just grow? What happens if you try and just... What if you're at your limit, at your capacity, and more and more keeps coming? As I was saying, over the last few weeks, I've been preparing for this talk, and we had some really awful news last weekend, and lots of things have been spiraling, and lots of things have been coming at me, and I was sick randomly in an evening. I'd planned some time, and, and all of these little bits have somehow conspired to me getting to what was supposed to be a retreat day on Friday. I'd booked in a retreat day to go and just hear from God. And I got to this retreat day, and I thought, I've I've barely done, I've got so much left to do. My to-do list is huge, and there's so many important things. What about this, and what about that? And I just thought, you know what? Actually, I'm struggling. And I shared it to the sort of spiritual director who was, on, who, who was there on the retreat, the person I'd gone to speak to. And they said, I, do, I think this is God's timing. You've got a lesson to learn. And so you know what, guys? This preach is all for me. I'm, I don't really mind if you've learned anything. Because actually, you know, this, these limits to what we are, the fact that I can't do it all, mean I need to figure out what it means to be limited. And um, I felt it this week, that my time has been taken up. I really felt that actually, one of the, one of the things that was really important was, I really felt we need to paint a chalkboard uh, at, some, at Baldwin Street for the prayer week. I don't know why, but I was like, God's telling me, I need to do this. And Jamie, bless him, help me out. I wouldn't be able to do that. And shout out to Jamie. Um, but, that was one of the things, and I was like, oh, maybe that's one of these things, or maybe it's one of these things, and I was like, I don't know, but I just need to do it, and I know that God's called me to do it, so we're going to do it, and we've done it, and it's great. Um, and, but then there was other things that was like real tragedy and real pain and pastoral situations and things that people needed caring for, and I was like, well, I need to, I need to care for these people. I need to worry about these people. I need to make these calls to them and, and just you know, check up on them and, and, and control it all but I can't do it. And then all of a sudden, I see this Ukrainian crisis. And I mean, obviously I knew it was happening, but then it's so, it's just become this thing. And I'm like, gosh, I need to pray. I need to pray. I need to, I need to do something. What can I do? Do I know anyone in the Ukraine? Have I got anything that I can do? And may, maybe I need to turn all my social media blue and yellow or what, I don't know what to do. 
And I just felt this despair over me of powerlessness. I have all of these things, and I feel so powerless. And I, I wonder if there's a few of us here who are feeling similar, that you've, you, thought you'd, you thought you'd got your jar all sorted. You'd got all the things in, and you just can't see, like, where are they all going to fit? Where is God? What does God mean for these things? Well, the good news is that Jesus meets us in our limitedness. In Philippians 2, verse 6, it says, He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made human in likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. God limited himself. He knows our limitedness. The omnipresent became a baby. The the omnipotent became weak. God knows our weakness. He knows what it's like to suffer, to despair. You know, a popular phrase is the shortest shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. He weeps. And the one that was unlimited limited himself even unto death. And the good news is he overcame it. He overcame that limitedness. He overcame death. His death and resurrection give us hope in our despair, in our limits, that we're not trapped within them. You know, the world says, you can do anything. And you know what? That's naivety. There's only, there's, there's some, we, we're not God. Yes, we want to believe in ourselves. We want to have confidence that God has given us gifts. We can do so, so much. But actually, we we believe that we are limited. And it's in God's power. It's through God that we can see change. We can see difference. It's in his resurrection that we find hope. You know, we entrust these things in our life to God. You know, he knows all of the challenges the things that are big, the things that are small. He knows every single part of them, every detail in our lives. And he knows what he's put on our plate, our calling, the things that we're called to. And we get to ask him for help. We get to ask him for help. I needed his help this week. And he, he sent that in my wife yesterday. Um, she, I, so it got to, I'd had my retreat day on Friday, and I'd, I'd got some thoughts, and they're all swirling around. It was all this stuff. And then it was Saturday, and we were seeing people. Saturday's my Sabbath. It's my rest day. I don't want to be doing work on Saturday, but I've got a talk to do. What do I do? And she said, actually, you need to stick to the things that are important. You need rest. You've not stopped this week. You need to find rest. Those things, they're God's to hold, not yours. I can't control all of these things. They are God's. And you know what? Some things are just going to have to slip. I can't control it all. And so we come to God and we say, God, help. Help us. Maybe it's help us discern what really is important. Sometimes these little things seem huge. It's like an Easter egg that we're trying to fit in there. But actually, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just whatever. So we want to ask God, what do we need to say no to? Maybe we, want to, maybe we need to ask God to increase our capacity 
maybe there's so much coming at you and you're growing and you're working in things and you're like, actually, you know, I really, I, I know that I can do more. I know that I can grow. So it's ask God, grow me, Lord. Give me wisdom. Help me grow. But I think what's most important is we ask God to do what we can't. Do what you can do and ask God for what you can't. So how do we do this? We pray. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you did not leave us in our despair, but you came into the world. And where we feel powerless, where we feel like we can't hold the things that are in our hands, Lord, we offer them to you right now. Help us, Lord, we pray. God, we pray, Lord, where we feel in our personal lives, weakness, where we feel like we can't do enough. Lord, I pray you'd meet us there. Lord, for our hearts going out to Ukraine, Lord, as we are filled with fear of what might be and as our hearts yearn for those poor people, Lord, we pray that you would help them. Lord, we offer it in prayer to you. We intercede on their behalf. Do what we can't do, Lord. And Jesus, I pray for all of us here tonight that you would just come and meet us. For any, any of us who are struggling under the weight of what we're holding, you'd come and ease our burdens. Be with us, Lord, we pray.